Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, Champions League edition, midweek. We've got Dan, no Nick, and if you didn't see, he is traveling around in the mountains of Utah, as he said he would be on Sunday. Um, I don't know, just vagabonding Dan in the mountains doing who knows what. Well, I I think the real issue here, Brandon, is that ultimately Nick said that he was going to be out and we weren't going to have to deal with them. And somehow he's posting his personal stories into our our Instagram account for Uh the podcast. And uh, he's supposed to be the social media manager. I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah. He's clearly trying to use our massive platform to promote himself. So, uh, yeah, we're on to you, Nick, and we we will make sure to take care of that. Uh, but in his absence, we have gone out and gotten a stud in the content world of Chelsea's Amity. Welcome. It has been a while, but we are so excited to have you back on, sir. Great to be back fellas thanks for the invite and i'll, I'll do my best to uh, fill the massive void that nick left please don't be well, in person I, we need that <laughs> I, I think we need to also do before we get into the whole larger conversation on chelsea is uh, you know since last time you came on you are now engaged you were off the transfer market yes i have been i was listed for a while but uh, my agent has gone through and done the necessaries to get me on a fantastic team um Really, honestly, in all seriousness, it's been a whirlwind of the past two weeks, and it's been awesome. Um, the support, the the just the, the real positivity that I've received, both online and in person, has been awesome and uh, well worth it. 
So looking forward to the next, I guess, as they say, lifetime. Oh, man, that's great. We're genuinely excited for you. And it's nice that, like, I mean, this is a relationship forged online that's now spilled over into meeting in person and personal lives. And that's just the coolest part about, you know, kind of our adventure through this podcast is obviously you know, meeting people like you and, and getting to know people genuinely. And I think a lot of a lot of people in our community have found opportunities to get to know people as well. And and, and that's really what the, the bigger thing is about. But uh, to be fair, we, we do have to talk about the match. Uh, and so in Nick's absence, Dan, you do get the the responsibility of the overall theme for today's show. Well, if you saw that Matthew McConaughey was in attendance in tonight's match, then you would know that the overall theme of the show today is all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was genuinely surprised to see Lee Parker post that. Um, I had no idea, but that's super cool. And, he, and Lee said he did a sit down, so it'll be on the fifth stand up soon. So definitely go go check that out. I'm really going to join his existential views on Chelsea and the youth revolution. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to his verbal dissertation. Yeah, that, it'll be great. <laughs> Likewise. All right. So in today's episode, we will be reconvincing or reconvening the Tammy A fan club. Uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about some of the other standout performances, maybe Aspie, Kovacic, Pulisic. I've got my names on uh, a couple other people. And we'll obviously talk about the importance of this victory for Chelsea, Frank, and the club overall. Dan, two more Apple Podcast reviews. They are... Yeah, they just keep on coming. So thank you very much. we got Chad McGibbon, you know giving us a little five-star love there. Appreciate that. We also had New Hampshire Blue, who's a expat from South London, giving a little five stars of appreciation on Apple Podcasts. As always, hit that five-star review, give you a shout out at the beginning of the episode, you know, and it's, uh, we feel, we, we feel loved. We feel appreciated. And, uh, you know, people do that in a lot of ways to help us out. Brent. Yeah. It obviously is, is all about helping other people find the show. It's a great way to support us. It doesn't cost you anything, but a few moments of your time. Uh, other people that support in other ways are on Patreon. A huge shout out to Drew, who has joined the Patreon party. That is what I am dubbing it from now on. Your Discord links and other benefits are on the way, my man. Appreciate it. And then lastly, we still got scars, people. We're going to push this until they're all gone because this is an exclusive run. Once they are gone, they are gone. We'll be on to the next design. Uh, hit us up. They are $20 if you're in the United States and only $25 if you're internationally around the world. So good opportunity for everyone to kind of get involved in and, you know, get get a part of the London is Blue. You get something physical in return. So uh, for those of you who already placed orders, Dan is going to be hustling, getting orders shipped out this week. So make sure to show oh, yeah. him some love. Already some in heading into transit. So wow. uh, you will be uh, hopefully excited by the end of the week as yeah. we get those first couple orders out. Hey, they're moving. It's the holiday time. This is the time. And if you're like me where it's negative six outside of that wind chill, uh, you might need one, maybe even two. So think about it, people. Prepare, be safe. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive right into the match review. It was Lille in the Champions League at Stamford Bridge this past Tuesday. Uh, Scoreline, Chelsea 2, Lille 1, or un, if you speak French, and I clearly do not. Um, First goal, Tammy Abraham, 19th minute. Second goal, Cesar Aspilicueta, captain, 35th minute. And then a familiar name in the 78th minute, haunting us from many seasons past, Loic Remy. Amity, my man, he was not offsides. I didn't even recognize him. (laughs) 
honestly, I thought the same. I was like, you're really going to go ahead and score against us now in a big game? I mean, where were you when we needed you? But no, to be fair, didn't celebrate. And I respect that. Players do that and come back to the bridge, whether we score against us at Denver Bridge or not. Uh, it's, it's nice to see that bit of respect. But honestly, I have to say, when that went in, I think I actually tweeted minutes before that 2-0 is the worst lead in football, as we always say. And there was definitely a bit of nail-biting towards the end of the game. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, but thankfully, got the result. And it was a must-win match for Chelsea, as we knew going into this. Um, Dan, what was our lineup? What did, what did it look like? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a couple surprises there from Frank in a Champions League outing for us. We did see Kevin between the sticks as Filiqueta. Antonio Rudiger, hashtag hustle, getting back in that lineup next to Kurt Zuma. Emerson also getting a run out. Ningolo Conte, Jorginho, and Kovacic as that midfield three. And then William, Tammy Abraham, and Christian Pulisic as mm-hmm. our front three. In terms of substitutes, Christensen, Barkley, Caballero, and Reese James were unused substitutes. Mason Mount, Count Hudson Doy, and Nishi Batrai all get a chance to taste the sweet, sweet victory on the pitch. Did I see you tweet or did we talk about the fact that Leo, I think it was in our Discord, rested a lot of their normal starters? Well, it was Leo B. It, it was essentially, mm-hmm. I think, like 10 of their regular starters or something very close to it were not participating in this match because they were already eliminated. Focus on the league. Amity, anything stand out to you with this lineup when you saw it come out? Um, honestly, the one thing that I was most excited about was to see Rudiger's name back mm-hmm. on the uh, team sheet. It's been a while since you got to see him out there hustling as is his way. And uh, it was really refreshing, actually, to, to see him partnered up uh, back there. But um, beyond that, I didn't think it was too much of a uh, an anomaly. I think the, the Pulisic being on the starting 11 for me is every single time I see his name, it's, it's always a positive. And it's great to, to see him having earned his spot and keeping it. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait on a little bit of that to later, but I might poke the hornet's nest on some things. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, some over overall stats, um, 20 shots, 9 on target, 65% possession, 646 passes, 84% pass accuracy, 10 fouls, yellow card, and 10 corners. An overwhelmingly strong performance. Lille with only seven shots and two of those on target. Um, just, you know, a, a, a dominant performance. Like I said, scoreline didn't probably reflect that as uh, accurately as we would have liked. Poor Mishi. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and talk about Tammy Abraham. Uh, fan club session is in order. How good is our number nine? Amity, we've heard Dan pretend to love Tammy. <laughs> You've heard me continue to revert the conversation to Keppa. What about you? What are you making of Tammy Abraham this season? I think he's been a revelation. Honestly, when he, you know, he had a great season last year, and all the naysayers, all the doubters were saying, can he do it? in the big time. Can he do it in the Premier League? Can he do it at a top level for a top team? And he's really consistently shutting those people up. And it's not just his movement. It's not just his hold-up play. It's not just the fact that he puts the ball in the back of the net as any proper striker should. It's the way that he lifts the team when he's up there. I mean, players like Sorginho, they don't even have to look. They play the pass around the corner. Players like William can depend on him if he's going to play a ball into the box to be the first man on it. And he doesn't have to put the ball in the net every time. It's the mere fact that his presence makes the other teams, you know, check over their shoulder. They make them 
back off a bit when we have the ball in possession. And it's, it's honestly really refreshing. I don't think I've seen a striker up there since the likes of Didier Drogba who was able to command such a presence. Didier Drogba? Yeah, I think, you know, prime Diego Costa was still the, the same type of individual who demanded attention. It was an absolute nuisance to defenders. But I, I agree. It's been far too long after going through the Morazza experiment, the Higuain catastrophe and everything else that we tried to put someone up top, even the Enhazard false nine experience. All of those pale in comparison and have been washed away by Tammy Abraham just continuing to be a goal machine. And just he knows where to be. He knows where to find the net. And I, I think the challenge is, is can Brandon, the other players on the pitch, continue to put the balls in the right positions? Because he's physically almost always in the right spot to score. And you know, we saw it very early in the match that you know, Leo were going to give us possession. The issue is more the individual delivering the ball sometimes than Tammy, because he was always right where he needed to be. The ball was maybe just not always put in the right position for him. I mean, look, that chemistry is the hardest part, knowing where your teammate's going to be in the box so they can finish. Jay Cohen, directly ripping off an Opta tweet, which I love, uh, put out there, Tammy Abraham now has 18 goals and assists in 23 matches so far this season. 13 goals, 5 assists. He's also averaging a goal or assist every 88 minutes played. Decent. That's that's like straight out of the Opta playbook when it comes to tweeting <laughs> about that <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> um, he met, It should have been hashtag decent. But anyways, we'll forgive Jake. We, we love him. Um, eight, every 88 minutes, he's contributing to a goal. That blows away my expectations for him. I was going to give him a season, right, to adapt and to figure it out. Uh, no more. He is a Premier League striker at a top four team, and that is his new level. And he's been fighting through hip pain. Obviously, he had to be substituted uh, at the weekend. Um, and he, he's fighting through it uh, today and got through it. And I think that it's really, really good to see. I mean, the problem is he's doing so well that it makes Mishi's job so much more difficult in Giroud because we feel like we now need a second striker because no one is close to his level. And with his age and potential, uh, it's just... Uh, Look, you score goals on me. It makes everything else easier. And thankfully, uh, he stepped up into it. But like I said, it's made Drew and Mishi's life much more difficult. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's been a consideration from the start of the season. Can all of our strikers perform at the highest level? Is Tammy the guy to do it? And I don't want to say that I was slating Diego Costa previously by saying it reminds me of Drogba. It's simply the way the team reacts to him up there. It's, there's something about his presence, really, that makes me feel... Not only that he's you know progressed since his time out on loan and at Aston Villa, but that there, it it lifts the entire team. And I know that Costa hit the ground running here, especially um, he had an amazing start uh, in fourteen fifteen. But something about Tammy, honestly, I think it's it might just be his movement uh, in behind that makes me feel like it, it reminds me of Drogba. But it, to be fair, Diego Costa had a stellar stellar start to his time at, at Stanford Bridge as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think we were taking it that way. I was more talking about the fact that um, when we had Diego, we did have that kind of focal point experience in the way that we really didn't with Morato or didn't have with Higuain. And now we put ourselves in a position where when the point that Brandon was making that, you know, they, you know and you've made as well, like the players 
don't necessarily have the really good, you know, distributors of the ball don't need to look. They just trust that he's going to be there, whether it's Kovacic yeah. trying to play a man, Willian with that amazing assist to set up the goal. They just, they know he's going to be there and they know that he is going to at least put in a solid effort in terms of trying to, to get it on target and hopefully convert. And he is doing it at a ridiculously wonderful rate. And I guess, you know, the, the real thing is, is like, he's, you know, outside of Vardy getting penalties, I, I think, you know, Tammy would be a, a shoe in I think, for a golden boot in the Premier League this season. Like, it's just, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Well, I mean, he would be the equivalent of a Heisman finalist. I mean, he he's in the running for sure. Um, sure, for sure. I, I And that that's, I mean, if you think about that's kind of crazy to go from the championship to a potential golden boot race in the Premier League in one season. That is... That I mean, that is such a huge jump and leap that I think that we should all yeah. really just kind of take a moment and appreciate uh, what he's doing for the club right now because it's easy just to expect it and take it for granted. But uh, that is that is unbelievable. I think it's also worth noting. Sorry to cut you off. I just think it's worth noting that he's he's still so young. Like this is when we think about the future at Chelsea, it's hard to imagine it without Tammy Abraham, and he's made that name for himself. And it's only been a half season. So I just feel like it's important to just to think about that, like how far he's come in so short a time. Right. Yeah. It's the name on the team sheet that if you don't see it up top, the confidence factor in if we can go down and get a result is that I, I think it's the one name on the team sheet right now. If I don't see it, I am not confident in our ability to go out and, and win a game. Like, Seeing Mishi's name on there right now, seeing Drew's name would leave me with very little or low confidence. Seeing Tammy out there, I, I generally think, yeah, we're, we're, A, we're going to score, and B, we're going to be in contention to win pretty much any game that he's on the pitch for. I, I don't think, you know, Amity, you can correct me if you feel differently. I don't think there's another player right now where I feel the same way that if his name is not in the lineup, that we are going to potentially struggle to to win. I, I think Tammy's the only one right now ahead of Angolo, ahead of Kovacic, ahead of others that that might be higher on other people's list. No, I agree 100. percent He is the first name I look to, and when, when we don't have him in there, I mean, honestly, no offense to Mishi or Giroud, but if I don't see his name up there, I'm worried. I mean, I just the guarantee of goals and or goal opportunities because he's not just a scorer. It's it's it goes down dramatically. So I would have to agree with you 100. percent Love it. All right. Well, I think we have quite a few other players that we can run through uh, about the performance today. So we are going to take a real quick break. Again, a very, very big thanks for this uh, sponsor supporting our show financially. And we're back again. We're just going to run through the list of who else deserves praise from this match. Be right back. All right. So I can open this one up a little bit. Um, we don't really need to to run down any specific names in general. So Dan, I will let you lead the charge on this one. Who else did you feel like had a really, really strong performance today. Oh, strong performance today. Um, I'm man, glad you brought up I, Keppa. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, if he struggled versus Leal B or Leal C, we would have had some really tough conversations for you. And I don't think we <laughs> wanted to relive what that would have looked like for you, Brandon. But I, I got to give it to Dave. And, you know, the, the Dave and William in particular, and I think the reason why is that this is, this was a must-win match. You know, any other result would have been embarrassing. I know that Tammy was the one who got the first goal. We didn't have to set him up with the greatest assist. We saw Emerson 
live a really, really nice cross into the box off a corner. That's right, off a corner scoring. Uh, as be getting the John Terry special into the back of the net. But you know, this is the time that you need your veteran players to be able to step up and offer something a little more on these special European nights. And at home and a really wet, really unfavorable conditions found a way to get it done. I really like the stat that Asby for uh, all of his uh, last seven seasons, 48 games and one goal this season in European competition, six games, two goals. I have to give it up to Asby and William. And I, I think they were really both excellent performers on the evening comedy. I don't know what your thoughts are. I have to agree. Um, I think that, as you said, in these sorts of games, you need to look to your veterans to, to put in a good performance. And someone like Asby, who he's gotten some, some stick this season. He's not been at his best, at his usual dependable best, because honestly, when you have a defender who plays well, you often don't hear their name because it's just so, what they're doing is so good that it doesn't even require them to be mentioned however this game it wasn't only his his defensive production it was the fact that he made sure to be in the box when we, when it mattered and that goal as you said it was extremely jt flashback time i was i was out of my seat but i think there's something to be said about william as well because he's the guy is this season especially he's producing on a level that i haven't really been accustomed to for his entire time at chelsea and it's not just him in transition, but he's tracking back. He's providing some cover for SB on the right. And he's not only playing down the right. You can see him in the middle. You see him pop up on the left as well. And it's really it's really just heartening to see him succeeding um, and to be producing, even though he's towards the tail end of his, uh, his time at the club, in my opinion. Um, I think that a lot of players could disappear if they had a similar situation. Um, and it's, it's, worth, it's worth mentioning, in my opinion. In my point of view. Well, I mean, it was great to have a really, really strong right side. Um, I I was surprised at the stat from Kovacic, personally. So Squawk is saying that Kovacic um, has over 15 take-ons this season, and he's leading the pack in the entire competition of people who have at least 15 take-ons with 80% completed. The next one is William, by the way. It's 68%. And then you've got Bubakari Sumare at 67, Jeff Rana Adelaide at 63, and Lionel Messi at 63. The gap <laughs> between there is crazy. Like 10% success rate when it comes to things like this is like one or two. I mean, it's it's a big difference. And to see him um, you know, flying in the charts like this is it shocked me. I, I I think I'm still struggling to fully appreciate Kovacic and what he does. I know in general he's doing really well, but when you see stats like this, Amity, it kind of makes you take a double take at Kovacic and like watch him more specifically just to see kind of what the magic sauce is that he's bringing. Yeah, I mean, whatever the ball is passed in his direction, I just assume that he's going to make something happen. And it's the way that he receives the ball under pressure from two players, sometimes three. And earlier in the season, I thought it was a lot about Jorginho. I thought it was a lot about the way that he could relieve pressure by playing a quick one-two or just using him as an outlet. But Kovacic, I feel like he thinks two or three plays ahead. When he receives the ball, it's like he's seen that next pass and maybe a better one, and he finds a way to make sure it gets there. Um, a lot of players 
you know, they got their head on the swivel. They can they can pick a pass. You can think about the, the Fabregas as we've had in, in previous years. You know, players in that position who could easily get an assist. But when it comes to relieving pressure and, and keeping a move going, I haven't really seen a player like Kovacic who who is so successful but yet so deadly when he has the ball at his feet. It's it's just like he like I'm, I don't want to be redundant, but he's thinking several moves ahead and it shows no, he's got a motor the guy just doesn't stop and yeah, i think we have been accustomed to players like angola conte who also had a really really strong night but kovacic is very similar in that he doesn't seem to downshift his effort to the competition where you know we're two goals ahead maybe he's acting a little bit more like a day's goal you know he's keeping high tempo high pace trying to push the ball forward trying to distribute is just as comfortable passing and trying a tight passing window as he is running it in himself. And as we've seen this season, two goals and I'm just, I think if it weren't for Tammy, who right now is my player of the season, Mateo Kovacic would be right behind him. And I am, I'm more surprised about that than I am that it's uh, Tammy. Cause I felt like Tammy was going to be our top goal scorer for the season. Um, and um, you know, Kovacic Brandon has just really shocked the hell out of me in a lot of great ways, and I'm I'm super happy that we have him as a a nailed on starter at the moment. Yeah, I still like this midfield three. Um, I I really like Jorginho in the side. I feel like he's a real important key to that. Um, I think obviously Kovacic is having you know a really strong season for himself as well, um, but you know so is Jorginho. They're just different players in different ways, which I think is hilarious because Maurizio played them in the same position as the same people. But we're seeing that Mateo Kovacic is so much more dynamic than what Maurizio Sarri was letting him be. And like, this is the player Real Madrid wanted, right? Like, this is why they bought him. He he crushed it in Italy, went to Spain, couldn't break through. Understandably, they had a super stacked midfield. And now he's ours. And Frank has just taken the le- the the kind of the reins off and unleashed him. And it's it's been a ton of fun to, to watch him. But I still think he needs Jorginho behind him to be successful. And obviously, look, Ingola Conte in any midfield is better than than not. So, um, and yeah, so as we continue to move up the pitch, though, Christian Pulisic. Uh, Dan, I, I want to let you run through some of these numbers, uh, and then I think Amadi and I can react uh, based on where you want to take us with this. But uh, Yeah, no. No, no Nick here today, so I'll have to rely upon both of you guys for the eye test. Uh, I'll, I'll drop the, the top-line numbers here, but 83% pass accuracy, 51 touches, eight take-ons completed, eight touches in the opposition box, five recoveries, three chances created, two shots, one shot on target, one of those shots going uh, very unfortunately, very uh, slip and slide on the pitch in the first little part of it because he should have had a, a very early goal, but uh, he also completed five take-ons of the first half against Lille, as many as all other Chelsea players ma- uh, managed combined. Mm. I, I mean, it's hard to describe just how exciting and wonderful it is to see him in a Chelsea shirt as, as an American watching a fellow countryman continue to find ways to be a, a positive influence and impactful player on this pitch. Amity. It's just, it's I don't know it's a moment of pride but it's also like uh hell yeah he's actually helping us win and be successful you know even if it's not necessarily with a goal or assist every time no I I couldn't agree more and it's almost like I mean I watched him 
early on in the season. And, and, and I guess this sort of feeling has, wear, has worn off a bit. But every time I'd watch him play, I'm always worried that he might mess up and then the fans will, you know, turn on him or anything like that. But it's the way that he's been so consistently successful, especially when we're going forward, it's, it's, such, it's such a refreshing thing to see. I mean, part of it is his stellar dribbling ability, the way that he squares up against a player and he can take them on. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to always play in a perfect ball, but his ability to take a, pr- a player on and succeed at that is it's really impressive. It's not the it's really not the easiest thing to be doing, particularly when a lot of that is is physical play. Like when he gets closer to a player, they can put a hand on him. They can they can kind of nudge him off the ball, and he's kind of got a slight figure, but he's able to sell someone on the move so well that they're off balance before he's even going by them, and and the the, the amount of touches he had in the box is in part due to his his ability to, to really keep the ball glued to his foot. Um, the way that he cuts into space, and at that point, if you're in the box, they're not going to make a, a, a big tackle on you because they're afraid to, to give away a penalty. But I think he recognizes that better than most players. Um, there was one play late in the first half when he managed to kind of swivel right around the edge of the box and then turn in. It, it cut between two players and then beat a third, but the final ball wasn't there. I mean, that sort of play is something that is so reminiscent of his time at Dortmund when he was at his peak for them and, and really un- untouchable. But the way that the warm response he got when he got pulled off um, on 60, I think 62 minutes or so, he it, it's amazing. I mean, they've embraced him at Stanford Bridge. He's become definitely someone the fans want to see on the team sheet. And it's a testament to his ability that I think Frank was saving him for the weekend. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating for him in a game like that to be hauled off on 62 minutes. I I shouldn't say hauled off, right? Because it wasn't because he was having a bad day out. But it still has to be frustrating for him. I'm sure Frank was, like as you said, I'm you know, reminding him of the big picture, everything else that's going on. But, you know, these are just facts. Christian is keeping out Pedro. He's keeping out Mason Mount. He's keeping out Callum Hudson-Odoi. And we're talking consistently right now. Like, Mount, not that many weeks ago, was a nailed-on starter. And Pulisic has made it his own, which I think is really, really interesting because um, it wasn't cut and dry. I mean, what, two months ago, every press conference was, Frank, what's wrong with Christian? Why aren't you playing him? What's wrong? And now all of a sudden, you know, Frank's message of being patient and he's going to work hard and learn the things I want, clearly he's done that because he's getting consistent minutes. His confidence is skyrocketing. And Amity, we can't understate how shifty he is in the box. He gets so many touches in the box. He can turn corners on defenders. They can't dive in on him because they know that if they if they lunge, He's going to touch it away from them and take him down. He, you know, I've just been so impressed how quickly he's gone from a fringe sub, sometimes not even on the, on the you know, 18-man roster for the day, and now he's a nailed-on starter. And it's just, you know, I, I'm elated um, just because of the guys being successful and yeah, we have a, a, a bias because he's American, but what a better situation to, to be a proud American versus 
the ignorant American who wants him to play just because he's American. I mean, he he's proven himself, Dan. Well, I think here's the thing, right? He's at uh, just shy of 1,200 minutes played this season, total of uh, 10 starts, three substitute appearances in the Premier League, three appearances in the Champions League, one substitute, total of six goals, three assists across those competitions. So he's he's at a clip right now of uh, a goal or assist every 132 minutes, obviously maybe a little weight in his favor with the hat trick, but ultimately just really, really positive stuff. And I think the funny thing, as you kind of mentioned, uh, Mount or uh, Hudson Adoy, I mean, A, first off, it's just great. We can actually rotate with players and it's just funny to me. And Amity, I'd love to hear your thought on this because I know that you're a, you know, plugged into the Twitter sphere as well. And you kind of, uh, you know, add wonderful content and contribution, but maybe you also see some of the just off the wall stupidity that still exists where people are like trying to advocate for one player over another versus just celebrating or enjoying the fact that the team has won again. And that for the most part, every player is growing in some capacity this season. And they're maybe just unhappy that their player of choice hasn't grown faster than another it's it's like watching this weird game of mario kart play out and everybody's just angry at one another but you're still playing a video game and and should be having fun exactly i think that's one of the things i I fail to understand about and it's not just chelsea it's a lot of teams um they pick scapegoats based on whether they like the player or not whether they're performing at the level they think they should be and it's it's really disheartening to see sometimes because a lot of the time you just want the team to perform. You just want the team to get the, the victory and, and to progress as a whole. And to see people kind of detracting from their performances or, or pointing fingers, is just a waste of time, in my opinion. However, one of the things that I've noticed is that Pulisic is rarely that guy. Um, he's, he's not really getting the kind of stick from fans that you would... I don't know if it's because of, as, as, as has been pointed out, as our own biases as Americans, maybe we were hoping that it wouldn't happen, but I think his play has prevented that. And it's it's oftentimes the way it's the attacking players, the ones who you expect to be getting on the team on the score sheet, getting an assist, uh, who who get the fingers pointed at them the most. And he's been able to avoid that a lot of the season, primarily because when he did come into the team, he really hit the ground running and he sort of just maintained that, which is a very, very difficult thing to do at this level, uh, to be consistent. And, and that's something that I'm just so amazed that he's been able to do. And I think Frank recognizes it. The rest of uh, the rest of the teams recognize it. And I think that's one of the reasons you see players kind of back off him. He's got a respect in, in world football that, you know, it's just, it's amazing to see that. Players used to look at Hazard and, and be like, okay, great. This guy's going to take me on and beat me. I think they're looking at Pulisic the same way. And that that takes quite a lot. Well, I feel like you see him, they've tried to foul him outside the box because they're afraid of what happens when they let him by. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that right there is proof positive enough that they're at least mildly concerned about just what type of magic he can do when he makes it that white line. And that's super exciting. But to, to the one other point is just like, you know, Callum goes out, doesn't have a great, great night necessarily. Like, I mean, he also is coming back from a horrific injury and should be afforded time to get back up to speed, uh, especially on a rough night with wet conditions. Maybe we should have patience there. Um, we should have patience for Antonio Rudiger, who's still knocking off some rust after a, a longer term injury. Uh, Kurt Zuma, who's kind of having to get back in connection with a lot of these players who have rotated through. So 
he's had to have like a different dance partner every, every couple nights or every couple matches. And I don't think that's probably the easiest thing. And he's made a couple, made a really couple of great tackles in this game to kind of keep things stable. Um, that I feel like he got the blame for over others. And I, I just, again, I think it's, we have a win. Yes. We made it unnervy for an unfortunate amount of time, but we're going through in the champions league to the knockout round, Brandon. And again, there were some fans who didn't think that was going to happen this season. How can you not just be over the moon? Well, let's kind of move on to there and talk about the importance of this win for Frank and the team and, and the season where it stands. So up to Joe again here, 2011, Frank Lampard is the first English manager to reach the knockout stages of the Champions League, having been in charge for all six group games since Ari Redknapp was Spurs in 2010 and 11. Celebrities. I believe they're related as well, so a familial <laughs> connection there. Uh, I think all Chelsea fans have seen the Harry Redknapp uh, presser at West Ham back in the day, unveiling Lampard and backing him to the hills. Um, you know, how it shook out, which blows my mind, Amity, is that Valencia are top of the group with 11 points, Chelsea in second on 11 points, Ajax in third on 10 points, and Lille bottom of the group with only one point valencia are not doing great in la liga but for whatever reason they're doing the business in the champions league and that just goes to show you how ridiculous these knockout tournaments are um because on paper valencia has no business advancing let alone at the top of their group i'd have to agree i mean when i when i first looked at this group months ago, I thought, okay, well, it'll be us and Ajax if we do our business. I never saw Valencia topping this group. I never saw them making it out of the group, to be honest with you. Um, but it just goes, as you said, it just goes to show you these things. I mean, these, these tournament, this tournament itself, um, any European tournament, Europa League included, there's going to be some top teams in there, and there's also going to be some dark horses. I never, ever saw Valencia being that team in this group. But um, I, I think it's worth noting that when it came down to it, and we had, I guess, our own our own selves to blame for the loss. I mean, for the uh, original match against them at Stamford Bridge, when I think that we were still kind of finding our feet, and maybe Frank hadn't determined his best team yet. Um, but we've had these issues injury wise and, and personnel wise, where I still think that we're we're. He, I don't think Frank really can say with certainty this is the best eleven week in, week out. And that can be a good problem and it can be a bad problem. Sometimes, especially teams who are filled with youth like ours, you need to be able to, to blood these guys into a big competition like the Champions League. But this team is progressing every single day. And the way we've come on, I think especially in the last month, um, by having to shoulder these losses and then come back out and perform, it's been impressive. And it's something that I think we need to all, as Chelsea fans, you know, take with a grain of salt. I mean, there are going to be times when we leave the game and we'll, we'll be frustrated. And those are, in every single one, is a learning experience. Um, and when you have young players like this, you need them to kind of learn very quickly. But the faith that he's shown in, in players like Pulisic, like Kovacic, like Conte, players who he knows he can depend on at this point in the season, is really kind of impressive because it takes a good manager as well, not just you know having good players up. 
there. You've got to know how to work them. And I don't know. I think it, it speaks a lot to his progression as a coach. A lot of learning experiences. Um, you know, you lose this. You don't advance the knockout stages. You know, all of a sudden we're in a we're in a we're not in a great place. We're still okay in the league, but you feel like a lot of the momentum has been stopped. So I think this is this is really big for the team. Uh, it keeps us in the biggest competition in the world. Uh, it keeps us playing against the biggest teams. It challenges our players at the highest level. So it's also a really good litmus test of where do we stack up against the best teams in Europe. It gives us the opportunity to continue to tr- attract the best talent in the world. But I'm still a little concerned, Dan, that we're on a wobble. How quickly can we get out of this wobble? Um, the West Ham match, obviously. Um, the Everton match, obviously. Not great performances. Uh, I think Frank's just just getting enough out of the team to keep the boat from rocking too much. Obviously, we've hit some rough patches, but we're still going forward. Um, but I tell you what... Uh, at 2-1, my heart sank a little bit and was just like, oh, no. No, 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 no. Don't do this. Let's not have this happen. Um, and thankfully, we gutted it out. But it, we're like, uh, I don't know. Right? I, my point is I think it's still a little bit fragile so far this season. I think that, you know, I mean, to the point Amity was making is that ultimately this is, this is learning for the players. It's learning for Frank. You know, we can continue to highlight that point, underline it in red, red ink to, you know, to use the bright neon colors to kind of just go back and forth over and over again. Like this is all learning. And we've got our next match coming up against Bournemouth. Yeah, they are ravaged with injuries right now. After that, it's Tottenham versus the special ones. That's going to be a really interesting match going away to the, the new uh, toilet bowl stadium in London. And then you have Southampton on boxing day uh, and then Arsenal with a interim manager or potentially a brand new manager. And that kind of rounds out the year. So two matches of critical importance against teams that we would consider those top six sides two against teams that are struggling, maybe more than they thought this season. Uh, both sets of teams are going to be hungry to get a result against us. And thankfully or at least getting a little bit of rest between those first two uh, and hopefully can kind of stitch it through to the end of the year. And then we get a little bit of a break at Brighton, Nottingham Forest again, and then Burnley before we kind of kick back up in, in full gear with a very, very hefty end of January, beginning of February. So, I, I mean, Tammy's scoring, Willis is getting in good places, William's feeling good, got Rudiger back. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling much better about this situation. Because I, I feel like we, I would have felt worse if we had just had those two losses and then not made it through in the Champions League. That, that I think, would have put me more where you are. But right now, I'm feeling the positive vibes coming out of this Champions League night victory. Well, let me curb your positive vibes when I tell you, thanks to our, our <laughs> boy, Nisar Kinsla goal. Uh, since we finished second in the group, here's who we could play. PSG, Bayern. Juventus, Barcelona, or RB Leipzig. I mean, there's a 0% chance we get RB Leipzig. Let's be honest. See yeah, a Barca, yeah. see a PSG, it, it's going to happen. I think we'll be seeing PSG again. Um, it's become sort of our the way 
things go for us in the past uh, few seasons that we've been in the Champions League. Uh, we've got a bit of a head-to-head with them. Um, sometimes that David Luiz was there with them and celebrated after he scored that goal. Never forget that. Nope. And <laughs> the way that you know Demba Ba scored that last-minute winner against them and was celebrated like crazy. I mean, we've had some amazing nights against them. And I just feel like it's going to be them again. Um, granted, none of those teams, RB Leipzig included, is going to be a walk in the park. Um, I'm really worried that we face these teams, I think, at, at, at too early of a stage for us. It might not be because of our lack of quality, because I do I do believe in this team. I just think that the test is a big one, considering how we need to perform in the league this season. But I do believe I'm going to go with PSG. I know it's a it's an, it's a kind of an early shout, but I think that that's going to be the team for us when, when the draw comes. Damn, Ooh, PSG. prediction. Um. It's a Monday night. I, I feel like we should just be able to ask FIFA or UEFA for uh, for feedback on this and, and get the uh, <laughs> figure out which is it the hot ball this time or the cold ball to pull out of the uh, the bucket. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've got this sneaky suspicion that we're gonna get the get Juventus. I think the the sorry versus Frank the. Jorginho doesn't have his, you know, Regista, what happens there? What happens then? I think that that just has, has kind of the narrative that you can see them liking. I, I, if it's not PSG, I think it's Juventus. It's just, it's going to be one of those two. PSG would be annoying, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) The whole Frankie ball versus sorry ball nonsense. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, no thanks. I don't, I'd love to avoid that at all costs if if possible but we'll have to you know look one challenge at a time you know that's not till 2020 we still have a few weeks a lot happens so we're going to soak up 2019 while it is still here um but yeah let's go ahead and outro this bad boy uh Amity, anything that we didn't touch on in this match or the the grander scheme of things that uh you want to talk about at this point just one word I want to say about Kyle Hudson Adoy. Um, I don't know if any of you on uh, listening follow me, but you'll have seen that I think he had a poor performance today, and I think it's important to be able to be honest about these sorts uh, of, of things in, in the Chelsea community. As we said before, I'm not trying to slate him. I don't think that he's a poor player. I don't think that he's worth our ire, and I don't think that it's worth you know getting up in arms about you know, whether he's a player that we should have kept or that he should be on uh, such high pay. I just think that he's a young kid and he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders uh, to perform, specifically because Pulisic has kind of stepped into the position he would be in. I just think it's important for us to be able to be honest about this. And while I said that he had a poor performance, I think it's important that we can, you know, have that sort of analysis and and have a conversation about it. I don't think it's worth pointing the finger at him to try to scapegoat him. I I just, I wanted to say that because. you know, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, I think, as you mentioned before, it's just, it's tough to be able to say to yourself, okay, I I want this guy to succeed. I want the team to succeed. But the team is the biggest thing here. The biggest picture is the team progressing. And he's a young guy who's going to have these sorts of games. And it's important that we recognize that. That's just what I wanted to say. hundred uh, percent. I don't, couldn't agree with you more. It is about the patience for everyone from the players and the managers to I mean, us as fans helping others understand the perspective of how how poorly this could have gone and how much better this is from an expectation standpoint. 
I mean, we, we have been very fortunate in the past couple of years to overperform with an aging squad that maybe didn't get the right investments of players, Brandon. And this is just another, in the chaos of everything that could have gone wrong, a lot of positive things are happening. And just you, you have to take all of those in the appropriate level of perspective. Yeah, I, I like Amity's approach. I did the same thing. You know, when Kepa wasn't doing great, we need to acknowledge it, right? And he responded great. He had a couple of big performances. I think he realized that his level was slipping and he, and he pushed on. With Callum, I think the biggest thing I see is that um, he's still a little timid on the pitch. He's not going 100%. And the only way that's going to come is with minutes and confidence. So I broke my leg. It took me a really long time to gain my confidence to go back into challenges because it weighs heavy on your mind. And he knows he has such a bright future in front of him that he doesn't want to risk it. But I I do believe when it clicks for him and his confidence is back and he can trust his Achilles and his body, um, he will very quickly get back to the the Calum Hudson that we know and, and love and have seen some amazing things from and, and a lot of excitement. So again, it's okay to encourage him to you know get back to the levels he's at. I, you know, I'm just giving you my two cents from my perspective and my experiences. So, um, yeah, and I think that's okay. Uh, Dan, anything you want to touch on? No, let's uh, let's blow this popsicle stand. Let's get it ready for the weekend. Bournemouth all coming right, up next. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, it's gonna be a good one, Chelsea fans. Uh, on to the last sixteen. Huge accomplishment. No matter what anyone says, don't let them take it away from us. It was crucial. Um, it's going to be good. We we head into the weekend on a, on a strong note. No injuries that I could tell of tonight. A positive win. Banged in a couple goals. And off we go. So until next time, Chelsea fans. Or wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Amity, thank you. We missed you, man. It's been great. Go follow him right now on the socials. Congrats again. Brother, it was great to have you on. Amen. Thanks again for having me, guys. Seriously, it's always a pleasure to be on. Love talking about it. Love watching it and always keep the blue flag flying out. That's why it's a great follow on the socials. All right, now, next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. All right, all right, all right. <laughs>